This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Good morning. This is Talking Devils, your favourite Manchester United podcast. I'm your host, Wayne Barton, joined as always by Manchester United legend Paul Parker to talk over another of those difficult weeks at Manchester United, Paul. Um, how are you doing? I'm doing fine. It was a, a difficult, but it seems like it's coming a, a usual Saturday at this moment in time with a dour performance. And But yesterday was a little bit brighter because I was at West Ham yesterday, so that was definitely a lot better. Yeah, it was. Um, although, I mean, how much of that um, cheered my weekend? I don't know. Two two little bits of good um, things on, on yesterday as well. Um, my nephew got the um, man of the match for his team and he got a trophy for it and his team won, so I'm happy with that. And also um, Rafa, um, Rafael da Silva, um, his, his Botafogo team won 4-0 at Vasco da Gama in the second division in Brazil, so they like one step away from promotion now. And you can imagine Botafogo winning 4-0 at Vasco de Gama. There was um, <laughs> a lot of fireworks at full time. Mm-hmm. Um, that sort of stuff. If you're, if you're watching on YouTube, please like and subscribe on, on Facebook as well. Like the, the video and feel free to get your questions in as well. Um, and obviously, if you listen back on the audio podcast, we really do appreciate uh, the reviews on Apple or all your podcast provider if they allow reviews. Um so on the channel this week, there's been uh, yesterday's podcast with Scott Wooten and Dave. Um, the pair went through the City game in their own way. They talked about a couple of the things we're, we're obviously going to reference on the show today as well. Gordon Hill, United legend, wrote a column for the website last night where he spoke out about the personal abuse that's been aimed at Ollie um, by the trolls online. Um, it's quite a powerful statement and, and well done to Gordon for coming out and taking that stand. I, I, on the website as well, I wrote a couple of things over the weekend, a match summary, and then a longer detailed analysis of what's been happening at United, which has um, led us to that point. Um, thanks for all the feedback on that, by the way, for people who've been reading that on socials. Um, again, it's going to be something that I'm going to reference in a bit. We're going to start off with the game, but before we do that, Rory <coughs> asks us how are we feeling this morning. Uh, Rory, I was with Rory as I am. 10 minutes before we go into the stadium every day and say no, not feeling um, particularly positive. Paul, um, how are you feeling this morning? I mean, not, I know we just went over that, but I mean, in terms of like reflecting on, obviously it was very difficult and we'll talk about the game in a moment, but um, considering how difficult it was on Saturday, now you've had 48 hours to digest it, you're feeling a little bit more level-headed or you're still feeling quite as emotional as you would have been on Saturday? I would say that um, it was almost similar deja vu Liverpool, to be perfectly honest, but I would say in certain ways it was worse. It was, it was certainly m- more embarrassing. That second yeah. half was embarrassing, to be perfectly honest. It just seems like I've never seen the, the United team give up in the manner in which they did. Liverpool well, was poor. 
but they yeah. get but a, quite a few of those players gave up and accepted it. No, yeah, I think yeah, you're absolutely right, and I think that's it, isn't it? That's the intangible part of what people are saying that, and I, I tend to agree. I mean, there's the there was the shock and the hurt of what happened against Liverpool. Because it was like, how can it be mm. this bad? And then you you knew that it could be that bad, so you, a lot of us were bracing for the worst against City. But seeing them do what Liverpool did, it's like we we were saying at the time: would it have been worse for Liverpool to score another five or to just do what they did for the last half hour and just keep the ball like they did? It was just as humiliating, and that's what City did. And they didn't have to go five goals up; they they were doing it with yeah. two goals in. They, they, they absolutely um, destroyed us in that. Um, they, and it should it was the scoreline like Liverpool that was. Half as damning as it could have been, half as damning as what the scoreline uh, suggested was. So it's, I mean, before we get on to City game, want to try and get a positive note in there, Paul. So take as long or as quickly as you need to on this one, because it seems like it was last season, but it was only last week. That Ronaldo equaliser in Atlanta was pretty good, wasn't it? <laughs> the last minute one. It, it was considering that he he didn't really. I don't think he was warmed up properly in the second half because I, I would say that was his second or third touch of the ball Yeah, when he's done that. That tells you the, the quality that he's got. If he can get into the right areas and get given the ball, I mean, it was, was something incredible, which it, it caught everyone out. I'm sitting here and I'm, look, I'm looking at the game and I'm, I'm in negative mode. I've gone now. Everything suggested, why not? Because you'll get, your body's getting used to it. Your mind's getting used to United. And being negative, and that comes from nowhere. And all of a sudden, you think, "Wow!" And then you look at it, and then you start thinking all the negative things about you relying on one person to get you out of trouble all the time. So that, so as much as it was a good thing for United to get back in the game, it was a bad thing when you're looking at the when you look at the long game of Manchester United at this moment in time that they're relying on one person to get them out of trouble. And I can and I can see it already is that. There was all these talkers about the reason why he's with United is because of City wanted him to that kind of push things and it allowed him to come to United. But after watching the humiliation the other day and watching the way City play, you think how many shots at goal he would have if he played for Manchester City? How many opportunities would he have? How many touches of the ball in the box would he have if he played for Manchester City? And you've got to say 90% more than what he does playing for Manchester United. That is a difference from a team that can keep the ball to a team that can't keep the ball. And when you talk it's Manchester United, and it's not, say, i.e. Carlisle United against Manchester City, the touches of the ball, the ball retention for Manchester United in midfield was absolutely shocking. Shocking. The one footballer, one creative player as such in that midfield that's all there was on the pitch, you know. And yeah. then you had Greenwood. Then you had Ronaldo. You know, it just doesn't. It just didn't make any sense at all. No, let's talk about it again. Then I mean, he, you said about the Ronaldo thing. It was papering over the cracks, as his goals have done all season, really. And those cracks were again apparent in the derby. Uh, one thing we've said all along with this new shape is that it's all right having a pragmatic shape but United don't have safety in numbers because the players aren't good enough um, and the, the midfield can't protect the ball and can't keep it. Um, the defence is much too erratic and accident-prone to allow that kind of shape to be successful against a good team. 
it took seven minutes for Eric Bai to do what Eric Bai does. And you could say it's unfortunate, but it happens too much um, to be bad luck. And I actually thought I mean, a lot of people were saying he played well against Atalanta and I agreed. He was probably one of our better players. And yet, I still felt he was culpable for the goals that we conceded. You know, I know Maguire was as well, but I'm saying Bai played a big part in that. So, you know, and then he goes and scores the own goal. And really, I mean, the, the response was predictable and it was depressing how predictable it was. It was a training match for them. And I don't even think saying it's a training match for them is um, emphatic enough. Um, they had two-thirds of the ball. We never laid a glove on them. The only thing that we did was a Ronaldo volley in that first half. It was embarrassing. It was humiliating. It was shambolic. It was one of the worst derby performances of all time. <clears throat> Even on the infamous day that United were relegated, when they played City, they put up a better fight. It was gutless. It was dreadful. Paul, I mean, I, I can't be more emphatic than why I just said it there, but um, you're a United legend who's played in, in derby games. What were you thinking when you saw that? Oh, I, I want to come and say something positive, try to think, but there wasn't anything. There wasn't any anything you could take away take away from that game and feel pleased about. And everyone's everyone's going to have their say. You know, at the end of the day, big the main thing should be everyone should talk about about City more than anything about what they done. Everyone was thinking this could be a game because of the way City have been of late. You know, everyone, a few people have put to bed about, tried to put to bed about the 5-0, thinking, oh, winning at Spurs. Winning at Spurs, again, there was the old adage come up about papering over the cracks because Tottenham were, Tottenham were very, very poor. That's me yeah. keeping it as simple as possible. I saw, I was there midweek when they played against Vitesse. They were 25 minutes and there was a little bit of energy about them, but they're poor. Yesterday, they were poor. Um, United were, were awful. There, there was no change from the Liverpool game. Um, in, in certain ways, that was worse than the Liverpool games I said earlier. Because no, no one no one done anything. People want to blame. Want to, they go straight away. It's like Ollie will be substitutions. You know who's going to come off. What he sees is the maybe the weaker ones, the ones who aren't going to moan. So Mason Greenwood is always going to come off. You know that Brett's going to come off. You know when you look at it, I can't. You, it's easy to blame Fred, but I'm looking at around and I'm seeing Fred give the ball away. Let me know. No, no one's perfect, but Fred always puts puts himself under pressure by when he wants to pass. He's trying to be sometimes too progressive. Because, but it's not in his locker to be able to do that. But he's trying yeah. to be positive with his pass. Um, but the other fella, Scott McTominay, runs around, doesn't lay a glove on anybody, only passes it sideways or backwards. And but he stays on the field. Fred needs to play in high tempo games to get the best from him. Win it, pass it, one and two touch. But because they're so slow and clumbersome with the ball from the back to the midfield, it makes Fred looked like a poor player. Ollie takes him off because that's the easy one. Maybe in his head he's thinking, I can't take off, can't take a Scott McTominay. He's come through the academy. Don't want to take him off. He might might upset people. He's not touching the ball. He can't get close enough to it. At least Fred, the way he works and because he's got that change of pace, can get close to people. But Scott McTominay can't. And 
if I'm going to have to keep saying this for another season or for the rest of the season, it's going to bore me, is you cannot play with both of them in midfield. If one of them's going to play, it has to be Fred because he's got quick feet. And if he's working in the mid with two creative players as such, then he, you'll find he will be a better player. I'm look, Again, I'm at West Ham yesterday. I'm watching West Ham play against Liverpool, the team that could have won 10. West Ham get competitive, second half, closing them down, <clears throat> further up, further as far away from their box as possible in the second half. Even in the first half, they were still defending reasonably deep, creating counter-attacks, but Liverpool couldn't get anywhere near them. Liverpool had scored their goal because Salah decides to fall over, Craig Paulson, poor referee, weak referee, gives a foul. But they get closer, and that's West Ham. West Ham have a better midfield than Manchester United. That's how poor it is. They've got more competitive players than Manchester United. They've got more players at West Ham who play with pride for that shirt than what West Ham have got more than more, West Ham have got more than Manchester United. I look at I look at Gavin I'm um, Gavin because Gavin I played with Gavin Maguire at them in QPR. Harry Maguire, all he does, he's a modern day Tony Adams, puts his arm up. Every time he's in problem, arm up. Um, the goal, the, one of the goals, who's who's the man who kept um, Man City on side? Maguire, sitting deeper than anyone else. He's the one, the last man played. What's he doing after when he looks at the assistant, wants to blame, wants to blame other people? We're playing with two, allegedly two wingbacks. Every time in that first half, City attack. And you look at it, straight line of five across the back. Great against Tottenham. Wan-Bissaka's going forward. Luke Shaw's going forward. Great. I turned around and said, I'm, I'm sitting there watching, when, I, when I was watching them do that. And I've turned around and said, great this is, but they will not be going forward like that against City because both of them be scared. I said, Pep will do something to threaten them. What did Pep do to make it more difficult? He doesn't play Jack Grealish because you you know what Jack Grealish is going to do. Jack Grealish is going to slow a game down because Jack Grealish plays for himself. He silly dribbles and try to fall over. I'm going to play Foden wide left and say stay wide. And if you stay wide, Wan Pasaka is not going to want to dive in. He's going to be worried about things in behind him and he's going to stop you going. And that's what happens. Stop any intention of Wan Pasaka running forward. What happens? One run forward which in the end they nearly they get a little bit of joy from when he makes a run forward and I think he plays I think he plays Ronaldo in of going forward. On the other side, Luke Shaw sees a little bit in front of him. I'm not going to run forward because if I run forward too far it means I've got to run back again. Lazy. Comes off groggy and I'll tell you what, he looked groggy. He, they said he looked groggy. I didn't really see a way he looked any different from he normally looks when he plays because he's had his up and it was all right. You can't. Defensively, United want to win Premier Leagues, not just one. They want to be competing to win two, three, four on the bounce. That's what the that's what the club's about. Not with that, not with a back four like that. It doesn't work. The four together cannot do it. And if anything now, after watching Fernandez, he did something in the first half, and I said in the radio, that says it all. You know, um Fernandez has chased that wide to close someone down. Um just on the south, by the south stand, just near to the touchline on the south stand. And as he's won the ball, he's turned around and virtually said to that back four, and his arms have gone like that. And that means come closer. There's five of them. Get closer because he's running around in massive areas. Couldn't be too many. They don't squeeze up. 
because the so-called captain doesn't speak, he's scared of his pace, will not take responsibility. They yeah. have to now make a decision. Ollie, if he really wants to finish the season and really be seen as doing something, put sentiment aside, I've used that word again, and start making harsh decisions about individuals to test their character. Take away the armband from Harry Maguire and say, become a centre-half first, and then you might be able to then help other people out. And it is, it's absolutely embarrassing now. Roy has said a lot. Roy got questioned by an individual outside. That individual outside who had a go at Roy is someone who's wearing rose-tinted glasses. Maybe a modern-day person saying, oh, don't have a go at them because that will upset them. Upset people. Do it. Upset people and test their characters. How much they want to wear that jersey. How much they want to play football. How much they want to play for Manchester United. Because as I said last week, Wayne, there's a lot of players who want to wear that jersey and walk around. Walk around Manchester and people go to, oh, that's Harry Maguire. That's Luke. They play for United and they're going and smiling. Oh, can you sign something? But they're not willing to do the rest of it that goes with it by trying to cheat as much as they can. And when you hear about certain players going out after that game as if nothing's happened, go out with your wife, go out with your partner. Don't go out drinking with your mates. Because what happens is you end up smiling and laughing and joking, otherwise you're not going to go out with your mates. Don't do it and say, oh, well, the game's gone. You can't do anything about it now. That old excuse has gone away. You're living in a football town. Respect it. I don't know. Just close the podcast. That's you've absolutely. I, you know, obviously, I'm a United fan. Um, everyone watching this, I'm going to presume United fans. To hear someone come out and say it like that is just that's what you want from a Man United player, and it's. I want them to be as hurt as you obviously are by watching that because you know you can feel that you know, and and you haven't played for 25 years. It's. It's just unbelievable. I mean, I, I use all the the buzzwords right at the top there, and I mean we've got loads of comments coming in, and I'm going to read them all in a moment. Um, I do want to just say as well, a lot of people, we are going to be digging out the players on this, but Ollie did get it wrong, and it's no, this is not praising Ollie or defending him at all. The shape was all wrong. The I think it was a diamond we played against them last up last season at home, which got the nil nil, but we packed the midfield and not the defence, and that's the way to do it against the City team. And Ollie's he was too pragmatic, he was too timid, it was reflected in the performance, and we got what we deserved, and the criticism is from the manager and the players. Um, let me just go through some of these comments. Um, but, I mean, Paul, you've basically said a lot of the... Um, of the... Um, all the con the points that have already been referenced here. Patrick says, "Morning, guys. I felt re referring to a back five was Ollie fudging the real issue. We've just said that. Shaw Maguire and Wan Bissaka's form. One or more defenders need to be dropped to get the message about unacceptable standards. Ollie trusts certain players will let him down on um, letting Man United down on a frequent basis. It might sound harsh, but even using academy players would get the message across." What's the point of buying tellers or dollar if they can't start off with this poor? And Rory says, I've said exactly the same as Patrick. The standards shown are now accepted and they shouldn't be. Is it because there's no belief in those that would come in? Um, I'm pretty sure this is keen watching. Um, Tommy was hiding, almost received, afraid to receive the ball. 
Patrick says, well, well said, Paul, for that that statement there. And yeah, I mean, that's we, we've covered everything that you guys have just said there, and we're going to be talking a little bit more about Maguire and those players in a moment as well. Um, I just wanted to sort of talk about the the way that the game sort of unfolded, Paul. I mean, you played in a game that's not a million miles away from this. Don't get me wrong, City were nowhere near the same standard as as they are now, but I'm talking about the the hostility in the environment of a derby game, which is supposed to provoke reactions from players. And I'm, to- I'm talking specifically about the game that came straight after the Galatasaray game. So obviously there was humiliation. Uh, they had, were they throwing Turkish delight wrappers onto the pitch and stuff like that? City fans were crowing, two <clears> up at half time. What's your feeling at that moment? You've got the humiliation of Europe behind you. Um, you've got this 2-0 scoreline. You could fold if you want. I'm trying to understand what's so different to this group of players. What what You called it last week and you just said it again. The profile of playing for United is appealing. The reality is obviously a little bit too much for some of them. The bare minimum, you're supposed to work harder than your opponent at United. That's the one thing you should know as a United player. When things are going wrong as well, when you do have a shock like the Liverpool game, the default principle you return to is work harder than your opponent. United are at that point now but it was nowhere to be seen on Saturday. And I know that that says there's something wrong with the manager, mm. but it's also on the players as well. I mean, you look at the tackle stats, none from Lindelof, two from Maguire, one from Eric Bai, two from Wambasaka, one from Shaw, one each from Fred and McTominay. They weren't laying a glove on him, four, five from Fernandez because he's the one doing it. But I'm not talking about tackle stats. I'm talking about the desire and pride to not be humiliated like they were. A part of me wonders, Paul, and we've kind of intimated on this before, but maybe not come out and articulate it in this way. I wonder if Ole thinks that the standards of the club speak for themselves, that you trust the players to sink or swim. You say, oh, you're United, this is what you do. But too many of them are sinking. Nine of them sunk on Saturday, and I give De Gea and Ronaldo a break on that because the ship is sinking and at least they know the standard what Solskjaer's talking about. But What's the real, where's the responsibility there? And I mean, what what I'm trying to say is, when you're in the dressing room and you turn them down against Manchester City, you don't need the manager to tell you how embarrassing it is, do you? You've got a certain amount of pride to come out and want to do better. Yeah, but I think the, the biggest problem with Manchester United is really life and theory. Life has changed. The people come being born at this moment in time. Are being model coddled and they're being brought up with a world where you don't don't have a go at me because I've got this, I've got that, and I might crumble. They're virtually telling you I'm weak, and but then you can't turn around and suddenly go, okay, go away, move on. I'm going to fight. You've got to, you can't do that because it's not part of life anymore. You've got to bring that person, even though they've admitted a weakness to you. You've got to accept it, and that's what's happening in life. And it's happening in football now. You cannot get at people because they will crumble. They will go to their agent. They will do this and they will let it known to the press. And you're the one vindicated as a manager, as a person, because you've been a little bit harsh. You want more from them, but you have to be soft. And you think, so you might be able to do that of an individual and get more. But collectively, there is a lot of people who still need that, who want to react by turning around and saying, I'm going to go and show you and go and do it. And as, the, as Sir Alex was, you'd walk in after the game if he's giving you the volley at half time, and he would 
whack you around the back of the head, shake your hand and tell you, and just virtually sometimes say, I told you, I knew you could do it. You were letting yourself down, weren't you? And you'd look at him and you want to turn around and say things and whatever. But you knew he was right. Now, we walked in from that game being 2-0 down against City after what happened in Turkey. We go out, been thrown in the tunnel, Turkish delights, and it, all, it was all starting. It, you know, made a big difference. As you go onto that pitch and you had the kip right in front of you, you had to go. So, you know, I started off the first half on that near side and you're getting things thrown at you, getting things said to you. And then we go, we go in at half time. the boss is fuming. Absolutely, you can tell this so fume. He goes at us, <clears throat> goes absolutely mad, gets his jacket and just says to kiddo, kiddo, sort them out. Just says virtually, he's virtually trying to leave it to kiddo. As he's walking out the door, um, what was his name? I forgot, Warren, Warren Clark. <clears throat> Warren Clark, DL and Pasco, was walking past. And the boss has just virtually gone and got to him, pushed him and he goes, you go and sort them out. And push Warren Clark into the dressing room. Warren Clark has just virtually looked around and goes, I'm not going to do anything, I'm a blue. And that was Warren Clark, and that's God's honest. Um, God bless him because he's passed away now. And I love the Alan Pascal as well. But he walked in, and kiddos just virtually gone like that. Kiddos has come across and apologizing, sorry. And kiddos just gone around, and kiddos just been firm. And to be honest, kiddos another one. That when kiddo says something to you, you listen. You just, you know, you listen to kiddo. He says it, and I tell you what, we go out second half. Not that we was terrible in the first half. Not that we had 30, you know, 30-odd passes against us on four different occasions, made against us, playing around us, not laying the glove on us or anything like that. It was just at the time that we, City, would just lifted themselves. They want the fans are up for it. They got themselves going for it. They made that game bigger in the first half, that bigger for them than what it was for us. They really went at us to test us out and we wasn't right for it. We were still living in that mode and we hadn't forgotten maybe midweek. But we went at second half and I think the second half is history really when people watch and seen, seen what happened. But we have to remember um, David White and early on in that first half, I was still 2-0 down, had one-on-one -on -one with Big Pete. And Big Pete did one of those star-shaped saves. And then after that, that's when we went on. And if the game had carried on another five minutes, it would have been 4-2, it would have been 5-2, because we just we just had control of the game. And obviously that goal from Roy, you know, there's Roy and Eric's one as well from far post goals. And it was an it was an incredible Saturday afternoon. Three o'clock, it was a, a three o'clock kickoff. Everything was absolutely fantastic. And it was enjoyable. And it was then maybe the city players who didn't really enjoy their Saturday evening. We did. And that's the thing that comes about it. There's only, you know, there's only one, one side for glory, isn't there, really, after a derby game as such. But Man City thoroughly enjoyed it. While, as I said before, if any of them, if any United players enjoyed it, and even more so, you couldn't, shouldn't have enjoyed it because of what happened two weeks previous at Old Trafford as well. Those things all come into it, Wayne. Yeah. Um... Just before we move on, very quickly, I want to get your thought on this. Scott Wooten on yesterday's podcast had a really interesting point that I hadn't thought of when I was watching the game, and I should have done really. He mentioned that when he, he was watching it, he thought when it was 1-0, he, he felt that some of the players looked as though they were scared of being beaten again like they were against Liverpool. 
Do you think that yeah. maybe that? Yeah, it's it's human nature. It's coming to their mind that there were those players who, were, you know, what Zayn's got is virtually. I, I don't know who he's talking about, but then I think he's virtually saying to himself, they were the kind of players that should have been taken off because they made their mind up that Manchester City were better. Weak-minded. Weak-minded, mate. And that's exactly what they are. And it's all well and good, you know, playing for United, but you should know everything that goes with it. I joined joined Manchester United because everything that was being said about them after sitting and watching everything in in the 70s and watching them in, in that second division, and what followed them, followed. I had a mate of mine in school, and I'm talking a school in Hornchurch, Essex, who went to every single game. He went to every game. Everyone was just scratching us, looking at him, David Holstock, going, what are you doing? He went to every single game. He loved the away games, everything that went with it. And things like that had just come into my head and remembering about him and euphoria that went with United. And I remember watching it on TV, the games that were on. So when the opportunity came for me, and I'm sitting there, on the verge of signing for a London team to stay in London. And if it wasn't for the fact of two reasons why I signed for United, one of the reasons that made it easier for me to go to Manchester United, but was the name, the name and everything that went with it, my parents, the fact of my dad just knew about, you know, the three main men, main men from Manchester United, everything that being a Jamaican. But Peter Reid playing for Queen's Park Rangers because all of a sudden me and Peter Reid become good mates when I was at Rangers. So I was going to stay with Reed, um, Peter Reid in Everston near Bolton and we was having nights out in, in Manchester and I'm going around, going around in this city which I never knew about and just seeing what going wow. <laughs> and so when the opportunity came, I was already, it was already in me because I knew a little bit about Manchester and what the people, met people, me being like an, Londoner and become an Essex man, very insular in that way. And it just, and it just, and I suddenly realized and I learned the difference in appreciation of football. Football is loved. Once you, once you, once you come off of that M25 and you travel away from London, football is loved. Two town teams, one town teams. It's just a completely different way of thinking. So you just know that you have to give everything, give everything. That's all, that's all they want first and foremost. And they shouldn't really have to ask for it. It should be there as a footballer. It's your job. And that's the problem now. I'm just looking at now. Like I think, look at footballers now and I'm wondering, are they just treating it as a job now rather than something they love? People come out and keep saying, oh, oh you know, oh, I love football and this and, and I've been doing this. And so a footballer come out, Ben White come out and said the other day, oh, oh, I didn't like football when I was younger. You know, and I'm kind of looking, I'm kind of, Phew. That's a hell of an honest statement to come out and say. Because somewhere along the line, someone's going to dig it up in today's world when something ain't going right for you, and they're going to question you. It was yeah. like in your DNA. We was brought up playing in the back garden, kicking the ball onto the main road when parents still live, South End Road, the main road that runs from that, from like virtually London to South Ends, kicking the ball in there and running out and getting the ball. You know, maybe being knocked down, maybe on the verge of being knocked down 10 times, just to get the ball to kick about in the garden again with me two brothers. That's football. It's embedded in you. I don't know how many footballers today are in it because they 100% love it and can live without it. You speak to footballers from my era, maybe just after my era, but definitely before my era, every single one of us 
want to be in football once we finish. We want something. Some are lucky to, to still live it every day, be around the change room. Some of them, like me, work in the media. And I, I love just going to football matches and talking about it. I enjoy coming here after I've been to a football match and talking about Manchester, talking about Manchester United. Could I actually just go to a football match, watch it, and then go back and just sit at home or go in a pub and just go with mates and whatever and talk about it? Yes, I can because I'm going to be socialising with good friends, but I'd rather come and chat to you, Wayne, or sit on the radio 10 minutes after a game and just let all my emotions come out because I've just kind of seen something that has got got me buzzing. Yeah. It's, it, I mean, yeah. Um, again, you're so right in what you're saying, and I think you're right to sort of say, like I said, with regards to Scott's comment about the players being fearful um, and not understanding maybe the um, the stage that they're on or what it demands. And while we come well, on That's the difference. Step, sorry, Wayne. Sorry, Wayne. Just... That's the thing. That's, I look at players now, and you've got to remember, it's a different culture now. Players now don't sign for Manchester United because of history or anything like that. Not, a lot of them don't see it that way. Yeah. A lot of them, the ones that, you know, you've got to look at now the players that you can get. As the players go around and look at the coaches, agents are pushing towards coaches, where before it was about history and going there to try and build on that history, knowing that if you can go and replicate something, it's going to make you into something. Again, that's Manchester United. That's what he'd done for me. And the fact of, is that there, it was just sitting there and it needed something. And if it got it, it would make a major difference in your life. And that's Manchester United for me. And it's being brave enough to go and do that. That's what it was about, being brave to go and take that on or take the easy easy road and stay local, stay, stay around that area where you know people. Coming out of your comfort zone was, you know, was a diff- was, 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 was not, didn't happen that often. So me going to Manchester was a big, big difference. I think a lot of players get in a comfort zone and they're not willing to step out of it because that might mean a little bit of little bit of pressure, but more importantly for them, hard work. They don't want the hard work. They get you know, they, they get injured. They're always injured all the time. I was injured all the time. A lot of players were injured, but we had to carry on. And yes, we carried on because there was benefits, there was incentives. But more importantly, we wanted to play in every single game and wanted to win every game because we knew what went with it. Yeah. Now ben asks the owner's obsession with money above else. Is that infecting the wider club? I mean, how do you set standards on the field when the club's priorities are distorted? I'll just answer this quickly. Ben, I, I, I've put the... Um, um, I, I wrote an article that's on the website. I think you've probably read it already, mate. But um, it, it sort of talks about that, the sort of backing a manager just enough but when we're at that, that sort of stage of competing when there's extra money on the table they put it in their pockets and not um back the manager um, even more to bridge the gap and that, that's been a problem through every manager ferguson was good enough to sort of compensate for that the other managers were not good enough because they didn't have good enough squads um not just because of that they're not good enough managers as well but um it's part of the problem absolutely um i just want to that, that sort of touching on that point about um the players coming out and talking and everything like that um people might be asking us to comment on the alleged Harry Maguire quote about not believing we could come back now that was um, put to Ollie by a journalist um called Ali Bender uh, Alison Bender 
Um, and Ollie looked mortified um, when that question was put to him. Um, because if ever a player personified unlikely comebacks in terms of injuries or late goals, then he's that man. And his ideology of Manchester United would have been, we never give up. Um, I didn't actually think it was the most professional line of questioning, the, the way that Alisson put that question to Ollie. But I also haven't actually seen or read what Maguire actually said. Um, this is only what Alisson said that he said. So I personally asked Alison on Twitter if she could show the footage of that Harry Maguire interview. And I think a few people have asked her. And as yet, as yet she hasn't replied. I think when we're talking about a comment as serious as that, the repercussions are a player getting dropped or even stripped of his captaincy. And I think it's fair to say, let's wait and see what, if anything, was actually said by Maguire. I think that's a massively serious comment. And we need to sort of let Maguire's words, if they were said, be judged in the context in which they were said and not the way that a journalist is putting them across to Ole. Um, that said, I still don't think that it was the best line of questioning to put to Ole because it led him up the garden path a little bit and and um, didn't look very good. Um, if it, if they're true, then obviously we'll, we'll talk about them. Um, but what we do know is what the players have piled themselves, Paul. Maguire and others have made social media statements again since the game. Eric Bai posted a picture of the scoring the own goal and then said nobody's frustra- more frustrated than me, no excuses. I mean, the lads talked about on the podcast yesterday and they were um, aghast by that. Maguire, I'm going to read exactly what he said so we, we are not paraphrasing. As a group of players, we are going through a tough period. We know and accept this is nowhere near good enough. We feel your frustration and disappointment. We are doing everything we can to put things right and we will put things right. Thanks for your support, United, which is all well and good, but we've heard this before for the last two or three years that they've been at the club and they haven't put it right when there's been the big um, drop-offs because the best that we've got is sort of second and third. Putting it right is putting United where they, they were and we're, we're not there. So it doesn't matter what you've said in the past because if you're going back at what you've said in the past, it's not come true so you've said it now and we we can't take those words seriously because they've not come through in performances i'm speaking as a fan as a supporter we don't want to hear that i don't know what to say because we sign players with brands and even the most unfashionable players um the defenders i'm sorry paul but fullbacks and defenders even in your day the most unfashionable yeah, of course. players I'm, I'm Now they arrive at a club, they've got their own social media team and they look to exploit, like you said earlier, they they look at United as a platform and a profile, they look to exploit that for their own brand as well, which, fair enough, that's part of the game now. The club can't ban that because it's part of the image rights and everything like that. But there has to be a line, Paul, somewhere, a line in there of common sense which says management, management, and I'm talking football management has got to come first because... The bottom line is nobody wants to hear what they're saying. The fans don't want to hear, even if it's positive intentions, they don't want to hear it because it comes across as an excuse. It comes across as like, I don't know if it comes across as they're wanting to show that they've got character. We don't want to hear the words. We want to see the actions. I would implore this as a rule at the moment. Because I'm certain, like Alex Ferguson would be reading the right acts and they'd be telling you all to delete your accounts if you had them. Now, this isn't about Fergie, but it's the principle of gaining control of your locker room, ownership of that locker room, 
ownership of players taking ownership of their own performances and the way that they conduct themselves and self-respect over your conducts and performances as well. Stop the posts now. Stop them. They're ridiculous. Lose a game, draw a game, and then don't post. Don't talk about it. Don't go gossiping to your favourite journalists and, and saying things that are going to throw Ollie under more pressure. It's now, when you've lost a game or you draw a game, it's the manager's job in a press conference, the next one that comes along, he's the one who has to face the... He's the one who faces the consequences of losing his job or, or keeping his job. He's the one who faces the criticism in the press because, miraculously, United have lost 5-0 and 2-0 to their biggest rivals and they could have been 10-4 and and nobody would have blinked an eyelid. And all the criticism is on the manager. The players have avoided it somehow. Somehow they haven't been thrown under the bus and the manager hasn't thrown them under the bus. So don't come out making these statements because they don't mean anything. They just frustrate the fans even more. It's the manager's job in the press conference to deal with the questions that are going to come from the journalists. Your job as players is to talk on the pitch and answer the performance last time in the best way. I'm speaking as a support, Paul, but that kind of thing must be alien to you. I know that we've talked about this. We talked about it after the Liverpool game when they came out and talked about it. But can you imagine as a player, you having the... Because I, I look at it as the easy way out. Imagine just being able to go into your Twitter account and just say, oh, well, I promise we'll try harder next time. Wouldn't cut it. Wouldn't cut it. And, and for you as a player, as a professional... Is it frustrating to see them think that, that that's acceptable? Because they, it's all right saying that. A lot of them said it after the Liverpool game. And look what happened against the City game. It was even worse. So what do we do against Watford? Lose 6-0. Do you know what I mean? I don't know. Paul, I know you just don't know. You just don't. I look at it and I think to myself, thank God for Motorola phones and Nokia phones. <laughs> didn't make it accessible to go and talk nonsense. All you had was computers. And by the time those things warm up, you, you could have been anywhere and done anything. No, yeah. I mean, now it's too quick and silence is golden sometimes. As I exactly. say it a lot of times, people haven't got an idea which way it's happened. Just silence is golden. And, and it, it just think they, players that they think by going it and that, that old one as well is that, oh, we go again. You think, oh, my God. As you know, football is ups and downs, egg on your face, topsy-turvy, all the cliches. And you just don't know. But all you want to really know is that in certain ways that it, it bothers players, but you, but you don't want to find that out by them reading about it and talk about this and talk about that. I mean, I was very, very lucky during my career that I, you know, from a country, I'd, um, I'd like, I had a Bobby Robson, Bobby Robson, sorry, as a manager, but I had a Brian yeah. Robson, I had a Terry Butcher and even Pete Shelton in the way and a bit, and a bit of Gary Lineker. But then as a club player, I had a Brian Robson, I had a Steve Bruce. <clears throat> You know, then after, then the next captain, then you, there was an Eric and there was a Roy. United have had good captains, really good captains, who knew just how they presented themselves. They they knew about what the club was and they knew how it mattered to the people, the city, everything about that portion of the city, what it meant. So they even when there was some poor performances, and we all had poor performances, no one just suddenly went, as you put it, to their favourite journalist to say something, trying to, get you know, equalise it or something that they think is going to soften the blow. They knew that everyone knew it was bad. They knew it was bad. And the only way to get it sorted out and deal with it was to was to play that next game. 
yeah. and show commitment. And 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 anything happens after that is a bonus. Be a hundred percent committed, and if anything, you win that game. But you remember that bit before hasn't been forgotten. You didn't have to write words for people to go, okay, that's all right. Okay, boys, good boys. Well, now you've admitted you've got it wrong. It'll be better next time. Football doesn't work that way. Words make no difference in football now because there isn't that many hungry enough players out there. You might really mean it when you pull it out there. You, not the team. Did you get them all together in the dressing room and say, let's put something together? Or did you suddenly go, hold a minute, how many more followers can I get if I write this statement? How many people are going to like it? If I put this out there, I'm going for the latter because footballers have come even more selfish than what they were in my time because we were selfish. Of course, we were selfish in certain ways and a lot of ways about things, but it was definitely more positive than what it is now. The um, Patrick made the early comments about the players being dropped. And just a quick point before we end the show, I just wanted to ask you on this, again, might be a laboured point. But Maguire is obviously the the key one of the key um, players to talk about in this. Obviously, we don't know what he said to Alison Bender, and we'll wait and see what comes out. But you mentioned earlier, regardless of of what he said on performances, that it's a case to say that you could drop him, and I guess then subsequently strip him of the captaincy as well. And if Ollie survives, or if he is to survive which I, I think is very, very doubtful at this moment in time. But regardless of that, whoever comes in, they've still got to make significant changes in, in terms of personnel because, yeah, we could say Luke Shaw deserves to be dropped and Fred deserves to be dropped. These players who Ollie didn't bring in, but Maguire does, Aaron Wambasaka does. I mean, Wambasaka's positioning on on Saturday was unbelievable. I mean, I was seeing Foden, and, and don't get me wrong, Foden's an intelligent player, but Wambasaka was nowhere near him. He was being taken to the cleaners, and we've seen Wambasaka play better against a proper winger in terms of Sterling. But um, yeah, but a lot they, of that he, wine, a lot of that wine was down to Pep. Pep done that yeah. with wire people, Cancelo on that side as well. Those two, they pulled him all over the place. Oh and yeah, he wanted at that time he was dreaming of Jack Grealish because he knew exactly what Jack Grealish was going to do, and that and that was the difference. And that was the big difference on that side of it. Yes, he should have been better. There's a there's two there's two ways of being a defender. You can be a defender, as I was a lot of the time spent at QPR, just getting close to people and just staying there and saying, I'm going to deal with you. Or when I played as a sweeper, I learned how to define space. When I saw space, fill it. Or just be aware of it. If anything goes, it's mine. It's like a goalkeeper from a free kick. And yeah. I look at Wan, but Wan Pasaka. All of a sudden, he got given a difficult because normally he's used to being up against someone. What's a dribble? Yeah. In his pocket all day long. Movement killed him. He couldn't deal with movement. People go, I'm not going to beat you with pace. I'm going to beat you with movement and everything yeah. early. They suck him. They suck him because he knows he's got to close down. And then they're yeah. just playing behind him. So he got suckered. Manchester yeah. United got suckered. The three at the back should have been better. Why he should have been in that hole. And I'll tell you the biggest problem, Wayne, and I know I'll stop you. I'll let you go in a minute. Communication. Yeah. Yeah. They don't talk. Don't talk. The, the, the it, communication is part of that, like, individual responsibility, isn't it? And not they're too many shrinkers. Yeah. Like, Keen called them bluffers. Um, and I don't, I, I think Keen and you, you can say that kind of thing because you're former players who played for United. I don't like using words like that, but I can see 
I, I know exactly what you're talking about, but they were they, the one thing that is clear is that there weren't enough players taking responsibility. There weren't enough players who looked as hurt. I mean, don't don't get me wrong. I don't think Ronaldo played well, but you could see he was hurting by what was happening, and I don't think mm. I could see that enough players were hurting by that. But we talk about yeah. those players. I learned that. Yeah, I learned that yeah. Wayne from coming from, from coming to United, being next to Steve Bruce. I learned yeah. more there going back to being a right back after seven, eight years of not playing there. I, I learned about. Yeah. I knew that I had to start. It was all right when I was at QPR, and like that was a completely different scenario. And I was captain, but I learned when I went there about communication, and I was virtually, you know, learned to speak more, and not yeah. be so shy of it. Learn to shout and scream. And knowing that people are going to accept it because we're all in it together. And if there was a problem, we'd get in the dressing room and we'd sort it out there. Someone didn't like what was said. Yeah. And that's and that's how we and that's how we got by and that's how we got by by talking to each other. It wasn't the fact we just worked off cuff. We communicated. When things were going wrong, we left Jeff about someone being out of position. Roy would come back. Roy would virtually come back and Inti would come back and tackle somebody. And as they're running away to carry on, they swear you do that. Why didn't you yeah. do that? And, that? and that's the big difference. There's no one doing that. Maybe only Fernandez to a point. When he does some of his silly lunges, he's doing it because he's getting aggravated. Yeah. Um, you said that. It's really interesting to know like how that changes over the years. When I was working with the twins on the book, they were talking about Rio and Vidic. And they would just say, go, stay, left, right. But they got the... Um, obviously, there was a the translation issue, but the simplicity comes with the experience so you can make those simple uh, instructions because you know the spaces that you fill in and it just doesn't even seem to be that at the moment and if they are doing that they're getting it wrong um but yeah sorry to go back to the point i was saying before the, the actual performance part um very quickly i know we're running out of time on this but Maguire and Shaw sorry Shaw and Fred are obviously not all these signings they were players so it's not a, a bigger statement to drop them but Maguire and Wan-Bissaka are, and they do deserve probably some time out of the side because of how poor they've been. They are all his men. Whether or not he's there, obviously if he is still there, it's going to be a, a bigger statement that he drops them. The alternatives aren't great, but like Patrick said, you've got to send a message, haven't you? You've got to maybe bring in a rookie and say, look, if you don't perform, I'm going to have to give this rookie a chance because you've been that bad. And and let's let's be fair. Liverpool five nil, Man City two nil in that fashion. That is that bad that you do bring in a rookie, or you've got to make like three or four seismic changes. And that's that's for Ole or the man in, man coming in, but especially Ole because like there is players. He's got to make that statement, hasn't he? Half time was that's when a statement should have been made at half time. Yeah. Yeah. Massive statement should have been made at half time. It was as simple as that. It was there for him to go and do. Now, I do not want to see it. I want to see a change for the next game in two weeks' time. I do not want to see that three at the back or five at the back or a seven or a seven-two-one as it almost ended up. Yeah. I want to see him make changes, oh, big changes. I don't want. I, I don't really, in theory, by taking off by was a negative one because by was. Disillusion from Leicester. You see against Atalanta, everything he did because he had an incredible game. That was his perfect game for him. That was unscripted. It was there was no structure there. It was just all off all off the cuff. And his defending was incredible. One man defending. 
plays yeah. in the next game, gets t- scores an own goal, facing the wrong way, but they've allowed the ball going to behind. If you're a team, get defenders facing their own goal when you cross the ball. Every chance you get own goal. Lindelof, he scored one as well, remember? Yeah. As well. Then you look at it and you think, right, okay. Other than that, really, I'm saying to myself, you've done nothing wrong, Eric. You've done nothing real wrong. The kind of own goal you scored, yeah, that's you. It's a bit erratic, but that's you in a certain way. But at the end of the day, you got caught out unlucky. But he takes him off. Now, straight away, how, how is their relationship now? You know, he brings on Van, he brings on Van der Beek. He brings on Sancho, brings him on at negative times, as he's done against Liverpool, as he's done in other games. Negative times. How are they feeling like stop gaps? You can't do that to people in today's age and like that and expect them to, when you, when you go to them, oh, you want me now, dear, when you're in trouble. So if yeah. you're only now, you've got to live with that, and you've made your own bed now, he's got to do it. He's got to stop that bit in the middle now, that McFred in the middle, stop that. It is totally, total, totally over. Because as I said before, someone has to convince me what are they holding, what are they held. They can't create, they can't hold, they don't stop any goals going. People go through the middle quicker than what they quicker than what they do around the M25 at three o'clock in the morning. So it's absolutely a waste of time. Get a creative yeah. get someone who Fernandez feels he can pass the ball to, yeah. and they're going to do. They're going to pass it somewhere. There's a third man run, or they can give it back to him. Get the ball so they can get ball retention. The longer they can keep the ball in the midfield and get the ball closer and play on the peripheral of the attacking bird, all of a sudden Cristiano Ronaldo will get five, six opportunities a game. He'll be closer to goal. He'll be able to move his feet quicker. At the moment, he's moving his feet and dancing on the halfway line. Yeah, It's, it's absolutely a pointless exercise now. If you're going to go down now, go down saying, I've had a right go at it, but then having a respect to people that you're trying something different. Should have done it a while ago, but please do not let me see this system and those same people out there. I want, I want him to be, Dean Smith, leaving out Mings, could have been one of his downfalls. I think Mings has gone behind his back. But I, he took, he did, he left his captain out of the game. They didn't win the game, but were they better? Were the players happier? We don't know. Make a big decision. Leave him out. Do not, do not put him in your team at this moment because all he wants to do is put his arm up and moan at referees, trying to cover up for himself. Selfish player. Put people in there who want to play. Bye, Lindelof. When Brand comes back, make your mind up from there. But your problem, as it's been for a while, is Maguire on that left-hand side next to Luke Shaw. Two people are lazy, no pace, no great defensive football brain. We're just going to give you standing ovations throughout the podcast there. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess that's it for this week. Ben's put a couple of questions in there. Um, if a young Ferguson was available now, would the club appoint him personally? I doubt it. Maybe not because he's, he demanded control that um, I don't think they'd be happy to acquiesce away. Um, my management is lacking, isn't it, in some respects? Paul just said it there, Van der Beek and Sancho, um, Eric Bayer. So Van der Beek and Sancho, yeah, like Paul said, you said about the, yeah, I think you mentioned Liverpool, but I think you meant Atalanta where they came on with like three minutes to go. So I think that was, I, I put that in my match summary for the website that I think it was an unfair sub. To make um, to, you threw them in they like the last, last roll of a dice, asking them to do something that 
they should have been asked to do um, months ago. Um, anyway, it wasn't fair to do that to them. Um, yeah, anyway, so I guess that's it for this podcast. So we were going to try and do it for half an hour, but um, <laughs> there was a lot to cover. There was a lot to cover. Um, Ollie's demanded a wounded animal reply against Watford. Um, we can see that we're wounded animals on the podcast this morning. Will he be there to see it? Will we will be anyway? Uh, we'll be back to review that game in a couple of weeks, unless something prompts us to come back in the meantime. That'll be the uh, next time you'll hear from us on the podcast. So if you enjoyed the podcast, please give us a nice review or rating on Apple Podcasts. If you enjoyed the show, please like and subscribe if you're watching on YouTube. We'll be back in a couple of weeks. Stay safe, stay well, and thanks for listening and watching. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.